On the legs of the Flyers, too. That was a good, hard, aggressive fourth check to try to get back in the game. Look at that move. Tavares in front. Scores! The Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup. Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome to Leafs Late Night, where it is never too late for the Leafs. I'm your host, Roscoe. I'm joined by Beaner. And this show is presented by Inside the Rink, where you can get all of your news and updates and all kinds of shows and podcasts on all 32 teams. But uh, here's where you get the Leaf stuff, right here with us at Leafs Late Night. So welcome back. It is Sunday night. Leafs lost one and then won one in um, very opposite fashion. So um, Sen's game was uh, was not so great, A Beaner. I don't know. Uh, did you get to watch it? I watched... I watched most of it, but I had I, I felt like I had to turn it off at some point. I was able to watch a little bit of it, um, but we had a, a little bit of a, a a work emergency call, so unfortunately, I had to have a really long day on Friday. So I listened to some of it on the radio, and then I watched like the last maybe ten minutes. Uh, well, I mean, it started out not too bad. It was it was pretty toe to toe. The shots were even. They were battling. It was an even score. You know, Ottawa would score. The Leafs would would tie it up. And then all of a sudden, it just fell apart. It was like watching the Leafs run away with a game in the second, except we were on the other side of it. And uh, I don't know what happened. I mean, it was the first game that of uh, the two that Matthews has been out now. So there was some last minute adjustment there. Uh, Murray was supposed to start and last minute is pulled for Samsonov after what we heard was a, a high shot from, I think, Willie and the warm up. So Turn, turns out it's his ankle. <clears throat> right. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's wrong with Murray. So um, there were some weird last minute changes and I guess everybody was a little thrown off. I don't, I don't know. You're a hockey team, though. You're a professional one. Shouldn't be that crazy. Yeah, I like the the cartoon. I believe it was Brian Belief's cartoon from that one. Is Sammy eating popcorn and drinking a soft drink, and then Keith coming up to him like, "Have we got a deal for you?" That's what it felt like. I mean, he was not prepared, I and mean, he's been playing well. And it was just like, "Oh shit, I'm playing tonight." Like no one was ready for that. What I did like was we finally gave up on Willie at uh, second line center. And they threw Pontus Holmberg in there, who uh, who picked up a double minor and then another minor. So though he had his his highest ice time all season, he spent six minutes in the box. So a uh, little hot and cold game for him, too. Hey, I he was on the score though. sheet, coach. <laughs> it was definitely a be a pro mode game where it was like, <laughs> you know, you, you look at the stats, you're like, but I did this. And it's like, yeah. And your your team stats are at a D. Like you didn't complete the mission. <laughs> the assignment is still sitting there. So, um, yeah, some some good individual effort. But uh, unfortunately, just couldn't find the back of the net. Yeah, it just it, it felt like one of those games where nothing they could do worked Like right from the get go. Just everyone was thrown off. Not that it should have been, because like you said, they're a professional hockey team. They should have been able to handle Murray coming out last minute because that's not even the first time that's happened this season. No, and it's not the first time that they've been down Matthews for a game this season. It just it seemed to really throw them like the the combination of those two. Like, I mean, two of your most important guys in the night are all of a sudden down. It's like, oh, shit. I think it just got into everybody's heads. It's the only thing I can give them as an excuse. Yeah. Uh, so I think the bigger story before we get into the games, though, was with Matthews being injured. He's obviously not going to all star weekend. And Leafs Nation went, okay, so Willie's going then? And Gary went, nah, Sasha, we're going to send Barkov. To which everyone went, huh? Why? And the only thing I can come up with is because Florida and they felt like they probably should have done this in the first place and saw an opportunity to right their wrong and send another Panthers player. Well, realistically, they didn't really have a chance to do it in the first place because Barkov was hurt for a good chunk of the year so far. Um, 
So if you look at his stats, yes, he's still a great player, and he is one of the better players in the league, but he's not had an all-star caliber season so far. Um, but yeah, if they weren't hosting, there's no way Barkov was going to get that over Math, like with Matthews coming out. Yeah, and I mean, I've even seen other people from other teams saying like, uh, you know, if, if we're going by the next best player, it's not even Barkov, like let alone if we're going next best on the Leafs, like... I don't understand why they went there. And the only the only uh, explanation really is that it's Miami and that's it. <laughs> yep. So um, do you think it's it's still going to be the same power here on the Atlantic uh, team without Matthews and putting Barkov in his place? Like speaking from th- all-star game wise. I, I think so, because especially with all-star games and the way they do it now, three on three, anything can happen and yes Barkov doesn't have the release that Matthews has he doesn't have the the high high end you know likely generational scoring threat every time he's out there but he's still a damn good player that's fair um I would have loved to see Willie there but I do love all the memes of him like you know it says like Leafs Nation screaming Willie should be at the all-star game and it's like him on the all-star breaks and Sipping on some fruity drink on the beach, just chilling, as he probably will be. I called it on our episode when they were announcing the teams that, you know what, let's not get any more Leafs there. Let's try to vote for, like, Vasilevsky, vote for the Bruins, vote for the Lightning, get our competitors there, and let them not get a reset. Because, yes, it's an all-star break. So you're not playing the high, high high-intensity hardcore NHL regular season game, but you're not getting a chance to truly unwind either because you're there, you're bringing family, you're bringing friends. Not only do you have to play and yes, it's not hitting heavy, high intensity games, but you're still playing. So that's not resting. And then there's so much media and, you know, appearances and stuff you have to do behind the scenes. It is it. I'm not saying players shouldn't do it, but if you have the chance to not go, eh, take care of the world. Now, one thing that I, uh, I found strange about the Ottawa game was it was supposed to be the next gen game. And, uh, you know, we don't usually see these flip side jerseys. It's only a couple games a year since they've put them out. Um, I like them up close. I don't think they look as good on the broadcast. Maybe it's just because I was, you know, streaming no i wasn't streaming it on on friday it was hockey night in canada so it was the quality was fine i don't know it's just the the dark blue gets lost in the black i find and it just looks like they're wearing an all black jersey so i don't know it's it's whatever but my point was um if it's the next gen game like they didn't really use any of their next gen graphics or anything or like you know talk to any groups of of people about like what they want to see from the broadcast like they did last year for the next gen game I mean, I wasn't, I, I don't remember the last one this season, but it seems like there was, there was no actual effort being put into this one. It was just like, yeah, they're wearing the jerseys and that's about it. Buy yeah, the last, the last one this season, they did more of a, an effort for that. Cause I remember Patrick asking me, he watched a little bit of it with me because like the players are done up as avatars and stuff like that. Right. Well, yeah. And they had that, like they, they tweeted out the the video and like showed them all as their avatars and with their nicknames and everything. And they had one for yarn croak as Yarny, And, you know, it just, it seemed like they were going to do a little more this time. And it was the opposite. They did so much less like other than the jerseys. I don't know what they did to make this a next gen game. Realistically, they should have done it tonight too for a five o'clock game an earlier one. Yeah. Five o'clock on a Sunday makes so much more sense than, the uh, the Friday game, like I get it, it's against the Sens, but eh, I don't know. It's probably much easier for people to get to a five o'clock Sunday game than a Friday night. Yeah, and then with regards to what you're saying about the jerseys too, I know uh, Mr. Bowen and Mr. Ralph on on the radio broadcast, they're not big fans of them either. Well, yeah, it must be hard to, to see. play by play in that, right? Yeah, because the numbers they're just the outline in white, so it is a little difficult to read, but. You know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to tie a record to a jersey, but uh, so far the next gen games, as far as I can remember, have not been great. So hopefully they can not do that again. I'm yeah, to, I don't think the last one was. I th- I do think they they had the one. 
I want to say the first game they wore them was against Philly or New Jersey, and that was Geo's first game. Yep. And I believe they won that one. They won that one. But I haven't really done any digging into them. Into I don't the know. Record I, on it aside from that. I feel like there's always records tied to these one-off jerseys. The few times they wear them, like I, I at least associate the St. Pat's jerseys with the Leafs losing. So which is horrible because they're so beautiful. And they lose every time they put them on. Bad luck. So, um, on injuries though, so we've got Matthews out and we've got Murray out. So the fact that Murray goes down, it's like uh, a little unnerving, but now tonight we've got TJ Brody back. So it's kind of like, you know, you win some, you lose some, the defense is, is more short up, but you're down to, uh, potentially Joseph wall, uh, playing a game soon. So how do you feel about the, uh, the goaltending situation? You want to see wall play? I know. I do. Yeah. So this kid has been a highly touted prospect coming up through the like St. Louis region. And then he went to Boston college. Um, he's been a better goaltending prospect the entire time he's been property of the Leafs, but he just cannot catch a break health wise. It's almost like Robertson. He just, he, anytime he would get a little bit of a look or go on a little bit of a run with the Marlies, he'd end up getting some sort of injury. Um, same thing with this year. He started the year, not really the greatest health, but since he's come back, he has been absolutely phenomenal. He's 12 and one with the Marlies right now. I was just going to ask if he'd lost a game yet. Cause last I saw he was 10 to no. So that's fantastic. Good for him. Yeah. Tw- 12 and one with a nine twenty eight save percentage. Oof. And I mean, like we've talked about, it's not easy to have good goaltending stats in the AHL because it's so unpredictable. Like you've got some guys that are down there because they're on conditioning stints. Some guys that are, you know, going to be stars next year, overagers, underagers. Like there's a whole weird mix of guys down there, and defense is on nobody's uh, list of priorities. So it's it's not an easy game for goaltenders down there. No, exactly. And then players are willing and attempting to do anything from any position on the ice to get noticed, because if they can get a goal from the corner or from some awkward angle or falling, you know, when nine times out of 10, you wouldn't take the shot. They're going to take the shot because if it goes in, it's going to be on every highlight reel and every GM is going to see that and be like, Hey, he had the balls to try that. Let's maybe give him a shot. Yeah. So it just goes to show that uh, his stats are impressive. And I mean, looking at the Leafs schedule coming up, I know we have the back to back after the um, all-star break against Columbus. So do you think that's going to be your time to see Joseph Wall play? I would think so. Um, Because, yes, he has played a handful of games before. And even when he was up, what was it? That was the beginning of last season, I believe, wasn't it? Um, He did play well. He just, he wasn't ready at that time to shoulder a significant load in the NHL. So if you want to give him a chance, he's been playing hot with the Marlies, came back from an injury, been you know, sustaining his play really well, ease him into it. Like, even if it's, even if it's the second half of a back-to-back, if no offense to Columbus, but if it's on against Columbus. I mean, they've got so many guys hurt right now. I think they're up to 20 injuries on the season so far to their, uh, their main roster. Like that's insane how unlucky they've been. So yep. I, you got to say like of any team to try them out against, it's a good one. Uh, what do we think about? I haven't seen too many updates on Murray's status, but do we think the All Star break is going to be enough for him to uh, to come back? I would think so. Um, there's some. Yet again, it's probably just people trying to make themselves look smart. But there is some people out there saying, "Oh, Murray's going to be traded. Murray's going to be traded," because there's always people that are going to be wanting some form of veteran backup goalie, right? But we want that too. <laughs> yeah like if, if if we can if we go into the end of the season and sammy's our our number one guy it wouldn't be a bad thing to have murray as our backup so i don't i personally don't think he's going anywhere i think maybe whatever this ankle thing is that's been bothering him and has him out right now maybe that's why he's been playing kind of poor the last couple starts because he did have a very good run there he's been very good at times this season just like sammy has so I'm still not worried at all. Um, and it really couldn't come at a better time. Just like Matthew's stepping out. If, say we were middle to end of March right now, I bet you Matthew's is probably still playing. 
Yeah, I think it's conveniently timed right before the deadline that they're saying, all right, who's uh, who's feeling not great? Show of hands, who wants, uh, who wants to take a break and or surgery? You, you. Great, let's go. You guys can take a seat, mark those salaries down, and we will go into the deadline with a little bit more to play with. Well, and, and when else during a season can you take three weeks off and only miss six games? Yeah, it feels a little convenient. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm fine with Matthews going down this time of year, A, because the Leafs are kind of comfortably in this one-on-one battle with the Lightning for second place. Like, that's pretty much all the season's going to be for the next 30-whatever games. Um, and B, because of the timing. Like you said, it's the All-Star break. It's he's only missing a handful of games. Like, it, it doesn't matter. And tonight, everybody showed that people can pick up the pace. Pierre Engvall, holy shit. <clears throat> that giraffe tonight. Oh, my God. It's like, like I said, Chad can pull it out one of every six games, and he just is unstoppable out there. Like, I was watching the Washington feed for a bit, and they're like, man, Pierre Engvall just using his size and his speed, just pushing through and getting ahead of all of the uh, Washington defenders multiple times. They were saying he's looking like one of the first stars, or one of the three stars tonight. Like, that's all you need. If Matthews goes down, hey, just the the same effort from all the other three guys and then a little bit more from somebody like Engvall, and you're fine. Yeah, and maybe he's heard all the rumors that people are thinking, you know, him and Kerfoot or him and Hall or Kerfoot and Hall are are gone to try to make room for whatever Dubas wants to do at the deadline. And he probably doesn't want to leave. There's a very good Swedish contingent on this team. He's been here for a while. It's a very tight-knit group, right? If there's any time to step up and show that you're valuable enough to keep around, now's the time. Yeah, and honestly, I think Kerfoot's been doing a bit of the same um, in showing that he's okay to play on the fourth line. Like, obviously, they've been giving him assignments that are not what he's used to, um, like centering the fourth line there for a couple games now. Or, um, or what was he center? Yeah, center and winging on the fourth line the last couple games. So... I think it's it's showing that he's uh, kind of a coach's player still. He'll do whatever they need him to. I just feel like at some point the GM's going to say, like, I'm not paying a guy this much to sit on the fourth line. But that's another story. No, no, ab- absolutely. Like we've always said, he's a, he is a Swiss Army knife. He does have the ability to provide a lot of things to the team. But if he's not doing it on a consistent enough basis, find a better home for him. Yeah, and I think he's been okay um, the last couple of games in this new role they've found for him. But again, I just I don't know if it's it's worth the money for him. So maybe they can find a suitor for him uh, at the deadline somewhere. But, you know, help him out like they have with other players, where put him somewhere where he can play like second or third line instead of you know fighting for the spot that he's in right now. Well, yep, we'll absolutely. Uh, so the other thing before we get into the game. There were rumors that uh, the Leafs and the Blackhawks have a blockbuster going on here in the background ahead of deadline. So, I mean, there's obviously a couple names there. We've talked about this to uh, the end of time. But, like, do you think they're actually going to pull the trigger on a Patrick Kane deal here? Honestly, I don't think so. Um, Like, we, we touched on it a little while ago, too when we got into that little Meyer conversation, right? As awesome as it would be, you really do have to, and I've heard a couple people say this as well, like people who have played in dressing rooms before, like Mike Johnson even. I always go to him. I love hearing that guy talk. He's got great insight. Um, Like there is a possibility to completely destroy chemistry in a dressing room. So right now, who do we have as our right, our top two right wingers? William Nylander and Mitch Marner. Yeah. Are you really going to bring in Patrick Kane to be on the third line? No. Yes. He is one of the most skilled players who's in the league. He's getting up there in age, but he still has it. So chances are he probably could play left wing. But how often has he done that in his career? Same with Mitch and, and, and Willie. You're not do spending you... a bag and a half to put him off his position. Like... Exactly. So then you're completely changing up your top six. Our top six is pretty damn good as it is. Yes, it would be nice to add. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I'd be stupid to say it wouldn't. 
but you could probably get better value and more bang for your buck shoring up the bottom six and keeping them as as like i've mentioned before keep them as as a unit your top six and your bottom six and then you can juggle your players around on those two lines top or bottom however you see fit depending on who's playing hot who's getting shut down etc so maybe a domi i was just gonna say maybe it's maybe it's domi for the third line then like Domi McCabe, I think, is one of the rumors out there. Um, <laughs> what is this, 2004? <laughs> well, it's not Brian McCabe's son, so. I love it. It's, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's still hilarious. Is he a defenseman? Yes. Yeah, well, there you go. Pretty damn funny. <laughs> if Honestly, if this is what, if this whole time what the Leafs needed was Domi and McCabe, I will die. That's good. That's just. It's just too perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, other news. Uh, Vancouver finally, finally puts Bruce Boudreaux out of his misery and ends the longest lame duck week of anybody's career. Um, oh, my God. That was the worst handled firing I've ever seen. There's rumors that they gave Tockett like a month notice or he had to give tnt a month notice to uh to leave which seems a little outlandish because they've hired coaches from broadcast before and they haven't had to do that but i don't know what kind of deal he had with tnt if that's true this is just even more crazy i i don't i don't get it i don't get it we went through this whole thing the roster construction doesn't make sense i don't know what bringing in rick talk is going to change i don't get it if if you ask the vancouver media it's all elliot friedman's fault they weren't it's looking at changing the coach crazy. until he he released that. Come on. So <laughs> how Elliot, much bullshit is that? Like Elliot saying that he's heard from them and it was right. How did he hear it? Like all this points to is that somebody in the Vancouver front, uh, the the front office there is just leaking everything to somebody. Like they have a friend in the media who's just getting every single thing. Like the second their meetings are adjourned. Somebody's on the phone with someone telling them everything because for the last year, it doesn't matter what they do. We all know about it. Yeah. Like this, I'm a big history guy. I love the history of the game. And one of the most embarrassing manager coach stories that immediately pops to mind was Harold Ballard with Roger Nielsen. So for those who don't know, Roger Nielsen was a young coach, great coach, great hockey mind been on many like been a coach successfully on many teams and he was fired by Ballard and then just before game time the one day Ballard hired him back but was requesting and saying that the only stipulation in hiring him back was if he came out to the bench with a paper bag over his face of course of course he didn't do it but that was like ridiculously embarrassing and to be honest i think this is even worse it's not like no offense to tortorella but it's not like it's tortorella and the guy's an asshole bruce boudreaux is one of the nicest kindest people you will ever come across in this game and it completely genuine and honest and he'll tell you how it is he's not going to sugarcoat anything to make you feel better he's just going to tell you even if it's bad news he's going to tell you in a way that you're still going to thank him for telling you Honestly, like the the fact that the the fans were chanting him out with the Bruce, there it is, and he's crying on the bench. Like it was, it was so evident that the fans knew this isn't his fault, and it's not going to change anything. He knows that he's loved by the fan base. Like it was just, it was the nicest way that it could have ended for him, given everything that was going on. It's just the the actual organization has just been so bad about this. Like I I don't get how you can be so open about and. I guess not open about it because it leaked, but just how they handled the fact that it was out there. Like you should have just fired him and had somebody like an interim coach take over. Like once it was known, having him go out there and coach this team, knowing that his replacement is being interviewed or not his replacements assistants are being interviewed. Like, I don't know. It's just, it hurt to watch, man. Especially for a team that's just doing so poorly. And the other thing, I want to add is like Steph and I went through their whole roster and and how I made the joke that like, if you can score a bunch of goals, they'll give you 5 million a year. They just talked about dismantling this whole team. And the next day 
Andre Kuzmenko, two years, five and a half or 5.75 a year. Like, if you can score 20 something goals, here's five million bucks. That's their rule. I don't understand how you can say we're tearing it down, we're trading everybody, and then you immediately sign Andre Kuzmenko the next day. I get it. He's come over, he's been great. Like, any team would love to have them, uh, to have him on their roster. But unless there's something going on behind the scenes, like he's talked to other teams about him and they don't want to offer anything substantial because he wasn't signed past the season. And this is one of those, yep, we're going to sign you. And they turn around and trade him. Unless it's that, but I wouldn't even give this management team that much credit right now because of how they've just completely mishandled everything for the past couple of years. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense. Like you said, but even signing JT Miller before you signed Bo Horvat. Horvat is younger. He's your captain. He's the heartbeat of that team. And you're letting him just either you're going to trade him in his final year of his contract or you're letting him walk, which is just ridiculous. Well, the only thing that does make sense is that they're signing Kuzmenko to trade him because it's it's the end of January. There's no rush to sign him now. But exactly what you said, I don't want to give them the credit of having an idea that good because... That means that they were thinking ahead that like, oh, somebody wants this and we're going to extend him. So it's a it's a decent looking deal. But again, at over five million dollars for two years with this being Kuzmenko's first season in the NHL, like that's a pretty risky contract to take on, even in a trade like that. Like that's a, a not a an insignificant tried out deal. Like there's maybe eight teams in the league that can take that deal on. Yeah, unless they're willing to eat some of it in the trade. But is that what they just signed him for? This is what I mean. Is like, did you sign a guy at the end of January to retain on him in like three weeks when you trade him? Like, I don't get this. See, I could see that being something they do, thinking last minute, oh, hey, he's got better value now that we have a contract. So let's eat 25% of this and now we can move him. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've just, they've completely boggled everything for the last little while. And it, it's really unfortunate because you have Jim Rutherford. He's a hall of fame general manager. The guy has had tons of success in the past. You hire on Cami Granado, Patrick Alvine, and em- Emily Castonguay. And then all of this happens. Now, I really, really hope that this is all happening because Jim Rutherford is not allowing people to do their jobs and that it's not just everybody trying to do what they want to do and no one's on the same page because that would look really bad for all of them. Well, I mean, from the things that I've heard, Aquilini is the one that really wanted OEL um, and was pressuring them for years to get him and they finally could and they did. And it, it just a lot of those little moves that like anytime the owner's sticking their hands in, it's like, go, get get out of here. Just let the people that you pay to run the team run the team. And then I think from there, you've got somebody that has to be the someone whose entire job is just to keep him away. So there's someone who's supposed to be like your president of hockey operations, who's basically just babysitter for the owner the whole time. So there's someone whose experience is kind of wasted on being. A, uh, a PA and then you've got underneath that a, a fairly new green staff that's left with the remnants of a very horribly built team so like I don't know what anybody expects to go right here it's just it's not good there <laughs> yeah it's not okay so what is good is the uh, the Leafs scoring five unanswered goals tonight against the Washington Capitals and uh, Nick Abe Kubel Man, I don't know what it is. Like, what is it now? 18 seasons of Ovi? And every time they're on the power play, I can still watch this guy just stand there. There was a clip going around where he doesn't even move his feet. Again, tonight, I'm like screaming at the screen. I'm like, how? how is it every time this guy can stand there? I get it. He doesn't have the puck and the puck's on the other side, but you know it's going to come to him. You know he's going to try to take the shot. It is so frustrating this guy gets away with it. He can't keep getting away with this. No, and with him, the fact that, especially with him being this close to all these records, and he's a generational talent, likely the best goal scorer the game has ever seen, it's to the point where if I was 
on the ice trying to defend against him or if I was game planning a, a penalty kill to try to defend against them, I don't care. I'll do, you know, it's a it's a five on four. Well, we're going to play it as a five on three and someone's going to park on top of Ovi. Like you need oh no, to be... Eric Gustafson's wide open. Who fucking cares? Ovi's yeah. not. But and nobody does that. Nobody does that. Because I don't they, understand. They don't want to look silly for basically giving up an extra man advantage. But when when he's showing you that he's going to do it every single time and he's not even going to try to do anything differently, just park yourself on him. He doesn't move his feet. He can nope. actually just stand there. They counted. It was like 10 seconds the other night where he just stood there and then the puck comes to him. Oh, he scored. Surprise, yeah. surprise. <laughs> Ugh. Thankfully tonight they kept him down. Uh, but man, it's just, it's crazy watching this guy's career. But uh, speaking of careers, tonight the focus was on somebody else because John Tavares was playing his 1,000th game, JT1K. boy, if I had my media board working, I would give you a round of applause, but it has been trying to go live for the last <laughs> half hour. Uh, so we had uh, Papa Kyle Dubas down on the ice there, handing out a lovely commemorative stick to JT where he had one of his kids on his arm that had the Tavares 1000 on the back. That was pretty cute. And I, I liked everybody commenting on how it's like he's got his kids in his hands and they're just like handing him a trophy and then here, take this stick as well. And then here and then shake this hand. It's like, oh my God, I only have two hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool stick though. Yeah. Oh, those silver sticks, they're they are awesome. Like it's so cool to see that kind of thing. Um, I... I would love to get my hands on one eventually of someone's, but that's never going to happen because I think those are the type of memorabilia that someone's going to go to the grave with, right? It's one of those things that somehow somebody will just have one. And you're like, how did you get that? And it'll go up for sale. And yeah, it's going to be some some random players. But uh, damn, what I wouldn't give for one. Even Wayne's was cool. But this one doesn't have like the blue on it and everything. And Most of them are just mainly like fully silver but they reflect like because of the finish that's on them they reflect everything true i guess it looks blue because of all the blue in the stadium uh but yeah jt having a good night tonight couple assists playing well him and marner and nylander really stepping up uh in matthew's absence tonight now that they had some time to think about what they were going to do and plan for not having him in the lineup so uh bunting playing well too and like i said engvall really 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 stepping it up having a fantastic night using the body getting in there. Um, yeah, really good effort from everybody all around. I was quite impressed. It was a fun game to watch, especially for 5 p.m. What about Mo? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to pull up the uh, the stats for the game here, finally. So, uh, Nylander, <laughs> what's it been since you last scored? Like 40? Riley, I think it was, I think it was almost at... Uh... Yeah, I want to say it was just about at 50. Did you see the interview where he was talking about how the kids at the Easter Seal skate were asking him when he was going to score again? I did see that. That's so funny. <laughs> Getting chirped by a bunch of kids. Uh, so, uh, yeah, picking up his first one since last season. And, man, it looked like the last three games he's just been trying so hard to get that one. <clears throat> Pardon me, that one goal again. And he had so many looks. And uh, really just trying to pinch in on every rebound that was bouncing out. You knew it was coming eventually, but uh, really happy for him to break the streak. Played a full 20 minutes tonight, getting back into the swing of things. Lilligren picking up 21 and Brody picking up 21 as well on the first pair there. Like we said before, you know, you just don't get him full back into it. Just ease him in. Let him let him find his game again, because obviously it's not there right now. And uh, And that's exactly what they did tonight. And look, he scored. Yeah, and he's at his best and his most valuable to the team when he is jumping in and trying to score. And, you know, that's the type of defenseman that he was drafted as, an offensive threat, yet still reliable defensively. He's not going to shut everybody down. That's not who he is, but he can still be a very reliable defensive defenseman and a constant threat when he's on the ice to score. Oh yeah, I mean, look, he had three hits tonight. It's not you can't say that he's not uh, throwing the body around. Plus two, three shots on goal, playing uh, shorthanded and power play. Like he's right back into being, you know, alternate captain Mo that he should be. Liking it. Yeah. Uh, Got to shout out Sandine for five hits on the night, two blocks. 
damn, that dude is uh, him and and Lilligren have just been. They don't look like rookies anymore back there. It's 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 no, almost hard to adjust to like you know you're expecting to see them make mistakes or or play like you know uh, everything is is new to see. But it's like you know we're 50 games in or almost at this point, and it's like shit. This is this is become an every night thing. Shit, we're at Not 51 to, games. When did like, that happen? And, and I don't want this to come across as a slight to any one nationality of player, but. When it comes to Swedish defensemen, if they're not a massive build, like I consider Victor Hedman a big man. I don't oh, have yeah. the sizes in front of me, but he is a big defenseman. Whereas Lilligren isn't, Sandine isn't, even Lidstrom wasn't overly massive. But these guys, they don't have the size, but their hockey knowledge and their skating ability, they can lay some nasty hits. Oh, that hit Sandine through tonight. Oh, the open ice just demolished. I think it was Shiri. Ew. Gross. Yeah. But but that's what you want to see, right? Because everybody's always talking about how the Leafs defenseman is so small and, and they don't they don't know how to play the physical playoff Canadian style of hockey. Yeah, screw off. They know how to play it. They're just too smart to be playing that for 82 games in a regular season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I've got um, Feaveri on, what's his name? Favari. What's it? How do you say his name? I always say it Favari. Uh, okay, whatever it is. I have him specifically <laughs> for hits. He got six tonight. That dude's been injured like day to day six times this season. Like that's the trade off is if you're a defenseman who's constantly throwing it around, you're going to have to take games off all the time because you're so bruised. I mean, yeah. these guys, of course, they get injured, but it's like they're when they're on, they're always in top shape because of the way that they play. And yes, Sandine had a bit of a flub tonight. Um, it was almost costly. Where uh, it seems like every now and then he he takes that extra second too long to make a decision and let somebody catch up to him, and he doesn't. Whether it's he doesn't realize how close the person coming at him is. Like, do you notice this? Like when there's a line change or something, and he's the only defender back holding the puck. It seems like he waits that extra second too long. It's like, oh shit, the guy's too close to me now, and he has to circle back and then. There were two guys that started closing in on him, and I've seen him do that more than once this season, and that's just the only thing that I'd like to see him kind of uh, get out of his game is find that confidence to make a play. If you, Even if it doesn't look like in that second that it, it's going to go somewhere, like try to, try to creatively find something to do instead of waiting. But I don't think it's a confidence issue with regards to lack of. Like that kind of thing I think is almost maybe because of how he's wired because of how he plays like people used to say some kind of something similar to about Cobberley, right where he almost looks like he has no heartbeat out there because he could be skating by himself or he could have someone right on his ass trying to get the puck and it looks like he's skating the same way it doesn't look like it's bothering him and i i do really feel sandine is very similar in that sense so even though someone could be right there or someone could be 40 feet away he's going to play it the same way because he's confident in his ability and i just think he needs to like i don't want him to lose that but he needs to make sure that he does truly understand it because i don't want him rushing and making the errors because of that but just you got to be a little bit smarter sometimes right yeah i think that's that's a good point like finding that balance between rushing into something and trying to find like I said, like a creative play there because, you know, there, it may look like in that moment there's nothing to do. And that's why he kind of gets caught like, mm, OK, I'm just going to take my time here. But yeah, it's again, like I'm not I'm not trying to handle the guy because like it's a 5-1 <laughs> win tonight. They were fantastic. It's just those are the the little things that as we approach the end of the season, I'd like to see him work out. Other than that, the two of them look like uh, fantastic NHL defensemen. You know, it's it's crazy. Um uh, like I said, you know, these guys have been been rookie names for so long and just, you know, we want to see what we're going to get out of them and we were rotating them in and out. And now it's like, oh, we're 51 games in and they've played here as long as they have and they've earned their spots. And how nice it is, is it to have legitimate homegrown defensemen? Nothing I against can't remember the last one. Riley, like aside I, that's from it. Riley, like nothing against Travis Dermott. Nothing against Dursey, who was traded away, or any of those defensemen, but they aren't 
they aren't at the same level or the same caliber as Sandy and Lily are. Yeah. And I mean, what about the depth? Like looking at the scratches, you've got Jordy Ben and Connor Timmons as healthy scratches tonight, and you've still got a full six that you're pretty confident in on the back end. Like, yep. it's it's crazy how they went from, I mean, this is just the difference of everybody finally being healthy, but they went from having no depth back there to uh, to a lot. And I think it's always been there this season. It's just nobody noticed because everyone's been hurt. <laughs> yeah, and even still, this is without Muzzin. But for all intents and purposes, his career is over, which sucks. But when you can have someone who, at the beginning of the season, you were factoring in your top four, be done and out, and everybody else is now healthy, and you have that quality of people that are sitting. Yeah, and Victor Mete is still out too. Yep. And that's, I mean, not somebody that was supposed to be a top four, but somebody that they were hoping they kind of could rehabilitate and turn into the star that he was hoping to be yep so um okay quick through the goals backstrom with a power play goal to open the scoring tonight we had wes mccauley making some interesting callies all night um wowie even washington there was the i think it was the high sticking on sandine the washington uh broadcast they were like mm, sheldon keith a little upset with that one i don't think they got the right guy with that call there <laughs> no not even close no it was just, I feel like every time he's out there, I, it's not a leaf thing. It's just a officiating is bad thing. Like tonight was just one of those games where it's like, what the, f- what are we calling? Like every time the, the, oh yeah, the Kerfoot trip on Oshi. It's like if someone's stick is anywhere near someone when they fall, they don't even, it doesn't even matter if they saw the stick hit the person's foot to go, oh, a guy went down and you're behind him. That was probably a trip. It's like, is that where we're at? Yeah, but on the bright side, if it continues down this road, like if you have four, five, six more calls like this, specifically that high sticking one, because we've already had a handful of them this season. Oh, yeah. If you continue to have these calls going down the stretch, they could make an amendment towards the end of the season or for beginning of playoffs that all high sticking penalties are reviewable. Honestly, they should be because it's so easy when there's a mess of four sticks and somebody gets hit in the face to go, oh, well, it must have been someone on the other team. When like a lot of the time it's either their own stick, their teammates stick or, you know, it's whatever it is. But yeah, that call legitimately could have been watched on a replay and determined whether or not it was a good call in six seconds or less. (laughs) So in the time in the time it took for the ref to put their hand up and make blow the play down and make the call to go to center ice to call it, you could have had someone in the war room checking it. And if it's a penalty, nothing happens. You let it go. You let them do what they're doing. If it's not a penalty, you ring the buzzer. Just like if if you score on a play and the ref wait, says, nope, no goal right there on the ice and play continues, if it continues for long enough, that buzzer is going to go off they're going to stop play check it and it's going to be considered a goal so it's it's not like we're going to be stopping play for every call and doing a full video review and challenge because that's what they want to get away from but considering you can like i said the worm can check that in seconds and if there's no issue it, it nobody in the arena would even know that it's being reviewed well, as far as I've heard from in the situation room, um, all their cameras are too focused on watching whether uh, goalies are knocking nets off on purpose or not. So they <laughs> would never watch something like that. Uh, one one really funny penalty tonight, though, um, and his second one of the season, Justin Hall closing his hand on the puck. <laughs> so uh, earlier this season, we had the one where he caught it and threw it back out of the zone. That was pretty funny because it was in a week where like four other players did the exact same thing. Uh, but this one, this was a little, you should know better. <laughs> Puck's on the ground and he kind of just did a little magic trick. Now you see it and now it's over here. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> not, not, not that I want to harp on him again because I feel like it's every show. And I know I I called myself out for it. I know when everybody was injured, he played great. And I called myself out saying that I, you know, I can't even talk bad about him because he's playing so well. He's really stepped up. But everyone's back and he's gone right back to where he was. 
Oh yeah, right. the Ottawa game. Him and Riley right were not back good. To where he was not good. Let's never put those two together, please. <laughs> Oof. Um, yeah, it it wasn't as much like the defensive lapses, but it's like he's good for one of these things a game where it's like, what are you thinking? That is, there's no way you've ever done that in a game since you were four years old, and a coach hasn't called you out for that. Like, like what? <laughs> you can't do that. Like, I, oh. I do that in pickup with friends. That's it. You know, you're yeah, being silly. If you, if you fall down, you cover it with your glove and you do a little, you know, slide it in behind you on your back or like on the ice or you pick it up and throw it to someone like just being silly and stupid, right? But it's there's the no refs, of, right? Like, ugh. It's the equivalent of like golfing with, you know, doing like a, a friendly game with your friends. You're like, this lie sucks. And you just like pick the ball up and move it over a bit so it's better. It's like in a game, you can't do that. That's a stroke. There's no way, but like, yeah, of course, for screwing around, I got to do that. It's like, but he just did it <laughs> behind the net. Most versatile club in your golf bag is your foot. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, um, yeah, the Leafs managed to uh, keep the the caps to five shots on goal in the third period, uh, and seven in the first. So it was typical Leaf fashion. Just run away with it in the second. I mean, I, we keep talking about this. Like, this is their new identity is just sit back in the first, find out uh, what's going on with the opponent, and then strike in the second. Unfortunately, it got flipped on them in uh, the Ottawa game. But uh, here we had Bunting, Riley, Nylander, Engvall, and then a beautiful goal by Zach Aston Reese in the third on a breakaway there. Yeah, and it's it's good to see him get one because he does truly play the game the way you would want your third or fourth liners to play. And he tries and tries and tries just, I think he's had a lot of bad luck with bounces and with silly penalties. So it, it was, it was nice to see him get one, even though like his fancy stats tonight are absolutely brutal too, but. Yeah. Okay. So should we go to questions tonight? Absolutely. I got a bunch here. Um, oh, here. So I said, uh, this isn't a question, just a little response. Um, on the Sandine high stack, I said a classic Wes McCall and uh, TJ4772409. How do people come up with these names with so many numbers? I don't get it. Um, I think it's was... one of those you put your name into, like when you go to sign up for Twitter or for anything, you put your name in and it's taken. So they just randomize a bunch of numbers and you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Fair enough. Uh, so this I just want to throw in because it echoes what you said. Uh, we were talking about um, the calls tonight. You said, uh, I'm not one to say that the refs are biased against the Leafs, but holy shit, we've seen a lot of bullshit calls against us recently. And uh, I just said it's league-wide. Um, it's, if you watch any game, it's been pretty brutal the last couple of years. It's getting worse and worse. Uh, and he said, I only really watch the Leafs, so most likely happening to all teams. Just weird how it was Wes McCauley again. If this keeps up, the league should introduce a new rule to review penalty calls. So I think um, I agree with what you said, that when it gets to high sticks like that, um, they should be able to, if it's quick like that, review it. Like, I don't want anything that's going to add to the game time here, but if it's about getting calls right, um, you know, do it right the first time so we don't have to <laughs> review it. Yeah. I think that's the other effect of it is if the refs don't want to be embarrassed by always having to go to a, a video or view to fix their calls, they're going to start paying more attention. Yeah, and like I'm not saying give the coaches the ability to challenge because yet again, that would delay games that that would go against what they're trying to do, but have it with the war room. There's tons of officials. Like when they have to make a call and they do go to the iPads, they're talking to officials on the other end of the line. That's people who have some form of authority. Like there is no reason whatsoever why they can't do something like that. And then you at least have the coaches know in the back of their head, like, man, I think they screwed that up. Well, let's wait in here. If you don't hear the buzzer, you know you're wrong. It's funny that the players sit there and watch an iPad of their mistakes of the last five minutes and try to fix them, but the refs can't do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, question first one comes from at TML fan and van Marty Zilstra. Run it back. Trademark. What's wrong with the Bruins? Three game slump now for the Big Bad Bruins coming into uh, their game against the Leafs before the All Star break. What's going on here? shaking in their boots knowing they got to play us next Uh, man honestly it's uh the fairy dust is wearing off like everybody 
knew this was going to happen eventually. Like they couldn't do this all season, but no. uh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's the end of January. It was getting a little ridiculous how long it was going on. So it's nice to see that the, uh, the carriage is turning back into a pumpkin or whatever they say. And uh, they're coming back down to earth. Hopefully it's uh, a longer skid than, than a couple games. And they, start to even things out and this gets interesting between the Bruins lightning and Leafs, but I doubt it's going to go that far. They'd have to lose like 15 games to make a difference here, but yeah, it's, I don't, uh, it's nice. I don't think it'll really get that interesting, but it would be nice to see them come back down to earth so that people aren't talking about them as this legendary all time team. Well, yeah, it's annoying when they're like, all right, who's your pick to, to win the cup this year and you can't pick the Bruins. It's like, they're, they're not a shoe in just because they're in first place. Like the Panthers didn't win last year. Look at Tampa when they were setting all those records and had however many hundreds of points a couple years ago. They got swept by the Blue Jackets. Yeah, they had like 61 wins or something. It was stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next one comes from Maple Leaf fan. Glad Brody's back. Brings such a stability to the D. Also, watch Riley break out now that the monkey's off his back. So the question, totally unrelated to those two things. Thoughts on the Zegras incident? I did you hear about this no I did not I only kind of have I've been trying to catch up on it something uh um here Craig Morgan tweeted I can confirm via the Coyotes that Anaheim forward Trevor Zegras did not say anything about Troy Stedger's father during their dust up last night per a team source he crossed the line with some very inappropriate comments Stetcher has declined to comment on the topic. So I guess something about um, a tussle between Stetcher and Zegris, where there's a rumor that Stetcher um, provoked him with some, or Zegris provoked Stetcher with some inappropriate comments about his father who is, um, who has passed away. Uh, people asking John Boy to do some lip reading on this to figure out what happened. It's pretty hard to tell. Uh, accused of mocking Troy Stetcher's dead dad and started a fight. Um, I mean, if it's true, it's pretty low, uh, especially considering this is a guy who's like the cover of the NHL 23 um you know supposed to be the the face of the young players and everything and the next gen of hockey and he's the fun guy and uh, it just i don't know given all that it doesn't seem like him but i mean uh, just kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt there anything could happen okay so i just looked it up quickly i am not a professional lip reader and neither is the people that are commenting on this but there's a zoomed in video of it and Yet again, I'm not a professional lip reader. I'm not saying this was actually said, but he appears to say he's up there watching. Gotcha. Now, I really, really hope that that wasn't aimed for that. And I really hope that's not what he was saying. Because anything like that i don't care if it's a dog family member anything if if you lose someone or something that's important to you that is not something that should come up in the middle of the game no that's i really hope that's not what happened uh hopefully you know nothing um hopefully something comes out more than just like a a a nothing apology and that's it like i don't know I'd, i'd like to know what actually happened there but it seems like it's probably just gonna get swept under the rug um, the only person I would trust to do a lip reading of it is John Boy. So hopefully he chimes in here, but I doubt he would on something that's controversial. It's usually just funny things that he'll do. So, um, next question comes from Mikey D three, nine, two. What up, Mikey? Uh, not a hockey question. Here's a fun one instead. What's a twist? What's your favorite ice cream flavor? What's your favorite ice cream flavor bean? Key lime. Key lime. What the hell? What? Whoa. <laughs> that is so left field. Part, back up. This needs some explanation. Is there a certain brand? Is there a story behind this? Did you grow up on it? Why key lime? Uh, no. As a kid, the only real flavors I ever remember are, uh, 
what was it called? Like Tiger Tail or something like that. Blech. I don't like, like there was Tiger a, Tail. Black there was always orange. Uh, oh no, that's not the one I'm thinking of then, because um, I can't stand black licorice. But th- there was always weird ones associated to some TV show or something. Like if if you had to go basic flavors, it's got to be strawberry. I'm not a big chocolate person, but uh, if I have any choice whatsoever, it's got to be key lime. What brand makes key lime ice cream? I don't know if, know if I've seen that. I've, we don't normally buy a lot of ice cream. So it would be like if you're out at some ice cream place, there gotcha. used to be, I used to work at Canadian Tire in Paris when I was in high school there. And right across the road, there was this little family owned ice cream shop that opened up and any of their flavors you could have in a milkshake. So I would actually go and get a key lime milkshake. It Wild. sounds horrible, but it was so delicious. Huh? So for me, I would say, um, anything Kawartha Dairy. Don't you dare say vanilla. Nah, dude, Kawartha Dairy's fire. Um, my favorite one of theirs is probably Black Raspberry Thunder. It's like vanilla raspberry white chocolate with like swirls of raspberry sauce in it. It's really good. So we've been with, it's mainly my wife, but I do eat it because it is very good. Um, but we've been buying the Muskoka Mocha that they have. Ooh, yeah. I also like... Um, there's the Ben and Jerry's uh, Netflix and Chill. That one's it's pretty good. good. And the Tonight Dough, the Jimmy Fallon one's good. Um, I don't know. I like peanut butter cookie dough chocolate ones. And I like like the Bordeaux cherry. I have a Farm Boy cherry one that's really good. Like I don't know. I have two two sides to my, my ice cream taste. But yeah, not, none of that Briars and Chapman. But Chapman's is Canadian and pretty good, but for basic like if you're if you're having a pie it's chapman's vanilla yeah or like a, a good butterscotch ripple oh that too but chapman's still chapman's is pie ice cream yeah um and last one comes from casper at jbpvfm easy game yep surprisingly easy game considering uh good goalie and good you know, Alex Ovechkin on the other side. Yeah, they, but that's almost the tale of the cap seasons this year, right? They've been hot and cold and up and down, and they're going to be in a dogfight with Pittsburgh to make the playoffs. The two teams that we have seen that have been perennial playoff teams since coming off the lockout are actually starting to go on the decline. Well, I mean, it's, it's tough to not go all in when you've got, Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin on your team, but the reality of them getting to the later stages of their career and, you know, the high side of 30 is it's harder and harder to have that as like the focal point of your team and build something around that. Like there, there seems to be a hesitation on both of those teams to um, really start to hand off to the next person and have, you know, Crosby or Ovechkin take a, a secondary role to a younger person who's, you know, going to pass the torch. But it seems like they, they've just been kind of riding back on, you know, who do we put around this guy to, to win again? So I think that's coming to bite both of them now. I mean, yeah. Pittsburgh probably more so than than uh, the Caps. Um, for like, I mean, Pittsburgh's brought in guys like Gensel and um, I'm trying to think of who else that have, you know, supported the younger side of that team. But I mean, the Caps have really just been built around Ovi forever. Like, I mean, Backstrom and Kuznetsov uh, and Wilson are really the only other ones there. And they've between the four of them, that's like one healthy guy for a season. Well, you have Carlson too, John Carlson on the back end. Right. Carlson. But I mean, with the amount of injuries that the, their top guys all take every season, it's like, it, it's gotta be hard to, uh, to keep anything going there. And it's, it's really showing now at uh, the later stages of their careers. So, I mean, it's going to be a couple of years of reset, I think after, after uh, Ovi retires for the Caps, it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. But uh, maybe, who knows? Next year they could be like the Bruins and just go on a tear like it's uh, 2008 again. How it's not going to happen, and this is just me being petty, but how satisfying would it be to see the Bruins pull a reverse St. Louis from 2019? 
whereas St. Louis was dead last and made the playoffs and ended up going to the cup final, whereas Boston is first place and then go in a massive slump and end up not making the playoffs. How incredible would that be? I mean, yeah, like mathematically pretty impossible at this point. But if if it was like what happened with New Jersey, where they, you know, hey, we're the best. And no shit, we are not the best anymore. Like it just, <laughs> just a little bit of a slide for them would be fun. Yeah, even like, I'm thinking even like 10 games, if they go like, you know, three and seven over the course of 10 games, that would just be like, oh shit. Like just alarm bells going off there, like right before deadline too. You know, they were sitting yeah. comfy and they were just going to make a move to uh, to shore things up. And now it's like, oh, do we have an issue here that was just being covered up by the fact that we had a bunch of guys playing way above their shooting percentages for uh, five months? <laughs> Yet again, it's not going to happen, but and me being petty, but it would be very nice. It would be. Um, the last thing um, we should probably wait for there to be more people here. But uh, man, this... This pride jersey thing, man. I don't know. I I was hoping that Provorov wasn't going to be the start of uh, a more negative conversation, and like other players, like I knew other players were gonna gonna say no to doing it just because Provorov did. But the fact that the Rangers were just like let's let's avoid the controversy altogether and just not do it, I think was a really bad move because it has proven to be worse PR than if. I don't know, maybe they were trying to protect a couple players that weren't going to do it. And instead of singling out those players, they just said, let's just not do it in general and like let the team take the heat like an organization instead of, you know, distracting one player with it. That's the only thing I can I, think of. I was just going to say, and this is me being essentially this is me being lazy and connecting the dots here. But how much you want to bet it was a substantial player on the team like a Shesterkin. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking, and this isn't, this is just like, there's a lot of players from Russia on that team that might not have favorable views to going out and wearing these things. I'm not going to get into naming which ones they are, but I think there's just a, there's a high percentage of them on that team that could have said no to this, that they just said, fuck it, let's just not do this at all. Um, But yeah, it just, it sucks for the, um, fans of the LGBTQ plus community um, that went to the game wanting to see that, uh, that support the team and expect the team to support them back. Uh, it's just just kind of sad how this has started a strange turn in a league of, of making it about, you know, everybody allowing to express their individual voices, uh, quote, from the league instead of, you know, supporting the sentiment that they initially put out, which is that hockey is for everybody. Yeah, they're clearly showing that it's not. It's not. It's um, about protecting their players' individual um, choices, as they want to put it, even if those choices mean disrespecting or dehumanizing other groups of people based on nothing other than their beliefs or whatever it is. So I don't know. I don't, we've had this whole conversation. I'm not going to rehash this whole thing. It's just it's more the fact that I wanted to bring up that the Rangers, in case anybody missed it, the Rangers actually um, scratched last minute too. Like it wasn't even announced that they weren't going to be wearing these or uh, or taping their sticks up. They still had somebody from the community um, for the ceremonial puck drop, and they still made a donation. Uh, so this seems like it's coming down to players said certain players said no, and the team went okay. Let's not have the same situation the Flyers had. And it just sucks that um, there's not a better culture within these organizations to, you know, if you if you want to be here and be a part of this, like these are the things that we support and we expect, you know, that to be echoed by the people that play here. So anyway, anyway. Yeah, Any th- there's not. <laughs> yeah, there's not really much we can much else we can say that we haven't already said. It's a, a, a shitty thing for any player or organization to do, and it's really disheartening that it continues to happen. Yeah, and I, uh, I feel bad for whatever players there are in the league that are, you know, still uncomfortable. Like, how do I phrase this? I'm not trying to assume that there are players, but it's pretty 
unrealistic to assume that there aren't players in the league and haven't ever been that are gay or, you know, part of the LGBTQ plus community that are not comfortable um, being open about that. And this is just going to extend how long it takes for them to be comfortable doing that if, you know, the f- players are not supportive of even the fans that are. So why would they be supportive of a teammate that is? No, no, and, that, and that's a, a pretty good way to, to put it. Because it's true, there's no way in the history of the NHL that there has never been one player who was. There's no way. Exactly, right? So, yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, anything positive we can end this on? We've got a couple minutes. Any any hockey history? Um, The only thing that really comes up is this is a former Leaf player, um, his birthday today, and I had it pulled up. So, born on this day, back in 1906. Holy. Part of the famous kid line that the Leafs had, Joe Primo. How fun. Happy, happy birthday. I'm sure um, this person is no longer with us, but happy birthday. He is not. Um, cool. Well... We will be back with another episode after the next game. Hopefully, if not, it'll be uh, in between. I know we've been a little behind, but as uh, tis is life, you know. So thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate it. Give us a like and a subscribe and all that jazz. We will be back next time.